What would it take to arouse your life, to experience more connection, more pleasure, more realness in and outside of the bedroom? I'm August McLaughlin, and this is Girl Boner Radio. Sex with a stranger. It's a common fantasy for understandable reasons. Someone catches your eye in the subway or on the pages of a novel, and your mind leaps to what it might be like to rip their clothes off or have them strip you of yours, to tangle together and have mind-blowing sex before you go on your day, no strings attached. It can be titillating to think about or even talk about. When sex with a random stranger actually happens though, The experiences are often kind of lackluster, or at least not as mind-blowing as you may have anticipated. You don't know each other's bodies or what feels good, for one thing. But what if you planned such an experience in advance? Karina Kennedy is a traveler, romantic book writer, and lover of adventure. Back in her early 20s, that adventurousness was very much a part of her sex life. At the time, she was using two or three dating sites to meet different people and have as many romantic escapades as she could. One day, she received a message from a man with an offer. He direct messaged me and said, hey, you look beautiful. You look you know, adventurous. I think I had some stuff in my bio about feeling adventurous. He said, I'd, I've always had this fantasy of meeting and making love to a woman that I've never spoken to. You know, I'm inviting you to my apartment. We'll have a drink. We'll make love. And then that will be it. And here's what it would look like. Are you game? And of course, it totally threw me for a loop. And I was like, oh, I don't know. It seems a little creepy. But then it it kind of sat in the back of my head. And, you know, it kind of stayed there. And I thought, hmm. This was interesting, she thought, because they didn't know anything about each other. They wouldn't have the two-hour drinks in a bar prerequisite that one night stands often have, she told me. They didn't even know each other's names. But Karina could not shake the idea. She started to sense the, quote, intense and strange freedom that comes along with anonymity, sex without any story or baggage around you. She was intrigued. So after talking to girlfriends about Am I crazy? Is this, you know, am I going to be chopped up in little pieces and you'll never, never going to see me again? If you don't hear from me by like an hour and a half later, you know, this is where you come and look for me. So with that backup safety plan with friends and a photo of the guy's STI status that she had requested in advance, she decided to go for it. I just put on my sexy black dress and showed up at his apartment. I was so nervous. <laughs> and in fact, even up to like knocking on his door, my heart was pounding as I got into the elevator of his apartment building and walked to his door and remember like looking at my hand as it was about to knock. And like, it's one of those moments. Are you going to really do this? She went ahead and knocked on the door. And he opened it and we didn't say a word to each other. Uh, he offered me a drink. It was kind of like a scene in a movie, honestly, like a silent, sexy movie. (laughs) 
my heart was pounding even as I came into the room. And, you know, he looked like he did in his pictures. And she said he seemed open, gracious, and non-threatening. She quickly shifted from nervous and excited to only excited. They started kissing, then went up to his loft-style bedroom. There, she said, they made love. And it was really great because I could be like whoever I wanted. He didn't know who I was. He was never going to know who I was because it was sort of this unspoken idea that we were going to go about our lives after this. Clearly, he wasn't looking for a long-term relationship or he wouldn't have approached me in this way. You know, this was just going to be our hour together. And it could be whatever it was going to be. So she really went for it. You know, did a strip tease and really felt free to throw myself into that sexual encounter in ways that I don't think I had before. She wore one of those old-fashioned garter belts, the kind with straps that attached to knee-high pantyhose, sort of World War II style, she said, with a pinstripe down the back. I took my time like unsnapping one and unsnapping the other and slowly taking it off. And he really enjoyed it. You know, I think that he was having fun. We were having fun with it. And, you know, I eventually, um, you know, eased onto the bed and started kissing him and then climbed on top of him. And I, I think from what I remember, I remember feeling like I was kind of leading the dance, so to speak, which I'm sure he was doing that intentionally so that I would be comfortable. And also he was enjoying my confidence and the freedom in what we were experiencing together. So I remember being on top most of the time. And then I think he flipped me over at one point. I do remember being impressed with stamina. <laughs> His stamina was pretty good. And so it lasted a while. Um, and I was pretty you know, happy about that. I myself was a very practiced multiple orgasm queen at that point. So, you know, it was great. And after they were finished and their vow of not speaking was over, she said they chatted like comfortable, casual friends. Like even though we didn't know each other because we had experienced this thing together and we did chat, we talked obviously afterward. But we didn't talk about our personal lives or anything. We just talked to each other in a very comfortable way, sort of post-coital, like, you know, chat over another drink. And then he walked me to my car and I went home. Karina knows that this scenario could have played out far differently and very badly. She trusted her gut with hopes he was really the decent guy he seemed to be when he reached out. He was, and she knows that makes her lucky. In other words, don't try that at home, or at least take extreme caution if you do. She told me that looking back, she's not sure she would feel comfortable supporting a friend's decision to go on such an adventure. Given how it all played out, though, she's really glad she went for it. You can find many fictional adventures in Karina's novels. Her latest is called A Not-So-Lonely Planet Italy. She described it as a fun play on the travel guide series Lonely Planet, only it's a fictionalized, fun, and romantic romp through Italy. A nice beach read. And while her books are fiction, they're often inspired by her life. I think most of what I'm writing is always sort of, there's a nut that's inspired by something personal. The fun thing about writing is the freedom to sort of extrapolate from there and to get creative. 
So there's a lot of adventures that Marina has in the book that were things that happened to me, but then they turned out a different way because I got to sort of shape it and create it. You know, the funny thing is like Marina is a little more throw caution to the wind than I am. And so when I've been asked about the book, I always like to try to say, okay, well, here's what Marina would do. And here's what you really should do. <laughs> like, here's what, here's the more safe version of that. And here are a few do's and don'ts Karina recommends for anyone who wants to date and meet people while traveling to new places. The first thing is do make friends with that cute local guy or girl traveling on your train and do explore tourist sites together and find quaint little restaurants, but don't spend the night with him or her until you're sure whether or not you're going to wake up alone with no passport or money. <laughs> so get a, get a vibe for the person. Spend a couple of days if you're going to actually connect with a fellow traveler because you know that person is sort of rootless like you are for the time being and you want to make sure you have a very good sort of feeling in your gut before you make yourself vulnerable. Karina also recommends dating locals who are vouched for by local friends, a tour guide or your travel agent. You know where they work, you know where they live there's a little more of a safety blanket there, right? Uh, do befriend the barista at your favorite local cafe and ask if she has any single friends who may want to show an American girl around town. But don't get into a vehicle with a complete stranger if you're alone. There's a lot to say for being street smart when you're traveling and being savvy. When you go out, try the signature drink at this cool local's bar, you know, dance with at least once with anyone who asks, no matter you know what they look like or who they are, just be open, but don't drink too much if you're alone or you're with someone that you've just met because you want to make sure that you are making good decisions. I think at the end of the day, do give people the benefit of the doubt, connect with an open heart or mind. Don't be naive, do have fun and enjoy the moment and let yourself go and create memories, but don't get too attached if you're planning to leave. Learn more about Karina Kennedy and her books by following her on Instagram at Karina K Books and visiting her website, KarinaKennedyBooks.com. There you can find a blog called Wanderlust. It details Marina's road trip adventures with friends during college. Of course, not all extraordinary sex experiences involve a stranger. Some stories, such as the one you're about to hear, are part of the fabric of an off and on or long-term relationship. Back in 2010, Wall Street Journal and USA Today best-selling author Nana Malone was working her first public relations job in New York City. She was young and had not yet gone to grad school or launched her now prolific career writing sexy feel-good romance. She told me she hated this job, and to be fair, she said she wasn't great at it. She had always thought her days would be filled with writing and crisis management, not the schmoozing and in-office catty fighting she found herself immersed in. And her workdays were long, 16 hours long. And one Saturday morning, a day off she desperately needed. I'd been called into the office at like the crack of dawn and go and like figure something out for one of the other girls that worked there and then take care of it 
send, you know, like messengers around to deal with the stuff. And then she wouldn't even get to go along to the fun, glamorous event she was doing the prep work for. In short, she was cranky. That's when her on and off boyfriend of two years called her. So he called to be like, hey, I'm actually going to be in New York with um, some friends and, you know, we should see each other. And I was like, but wait. Wasn't he supposed to be taking time to find himself? That's what he had told Nana when he shifted them back into the offstage they were in, after all. Part of her thought she should decline, but in the end, she couldn't help herself. I know us. I mean, we had broken up before and when we were in college, we went to the same college. I knew how these things usually went. I would have mountains of willpower like, no, no, this is not going to happen. I'm a strong, independent. Oh, my God, he's so cute. A few hours later, he rang again. Hey, we're here. You know, we've arrived. Do you want to like meet up for, you know, like drinks or something? And I was like, hey, I actually have to finish this thing at work. And I've been there like half the day already. So it's like 3 p.m., And I'm just mad. (laughs) Mad that she was called in to work at all. Mad that she wouldn't even get paid for the extra hours. But at least she was almost done. Or so she thought. So she buzzed Mr. Off and On into the elegant high-rise building. And she started showing him around. He's like, oh, this is great. You know, do you like it? And I was like, oh, you know, I was trying to be like, I'm awesome and independent. And like, I live in New York. You know, you're not as cool as I am because he had some internship in like North Carolina. I was like, I'm cooler than you. You know, when you want to feel like you're just like badass. I'm like, this is where I sit. You know, there are no pictures of him, which is great. And that's when she found it. A note from a particularly annoying coworker who literally left me instructions, which meant that she knew that she was going to call me in on Saturday. When I saw the list and I'd already like, I was almost done. The event was going off while I'd messengered packages. I'd done everything. Then I see this list and I was just so mad. Like when I get angry, I start to cry. She picked up the list and started to shake. And he comes up behind me. He's like, what's the matter? And we've been together like on and off for a long time. So he, he knew me when I was like about to blow my top. And so then he just like hugs me, pulls me in. And I just was like, I hate this place. I hate it. I hate it so much. And, you know, he's holding me. And, and of course I'm like, oh, he smells good. And it's so familiar. So we start to kiss in this office. Of course, in the back of my mind, I was like, I should stop this. This is a bad idea. I was in a mood. I was definitely angry, like, you know, screw these people. But also I was just like, I needed comfort. And he was right there and, of course, super familiar. So then it became like, you know what? Screw these people. And each other? Suddenly, Nana was sure of it. They would have sex on her boss's desk. She started making her moves. He looked at her as if to say, what is happening? He's like, don't you want to like go back to your place or back to the hotel? Like the guys are out and I'm like, nope, right here. From there, Nana said it became like every sex on a desk scene in movies. She threw her clothes everywhere and mounted him right smack on the desk. And I think actually on the piece of paper, it was great. I mean, I was having a great time. And I felt fantastic. And then kept having sex in the president's office. He's like, we should stop. And I was like, no, no, no. 
because I mean, I'd gotten mine. I was like, I had an orgasm. I was like, well, we're not done. And he's like, we're not. I'm like, nope. We finish up and then I hear the elevator open. She screamed. (laughs) Because by now my clothes are in another office. And then I hear like keys jangling and I'm like, oh my God. So we have to basically hide in the president's office for 30 minutes. 30 minutes, naked. They hid in the closet of the president's office as a security guard made his rounds. Luckily, that door was closed and no lights were on. Standing in there naked and he's like, the keys are jangling. I was like, we're going to get caught. I'm going to get so fired. I'm going to get fired. That's what's going to happen. And he's like, you shut up. So like, you know, it's like whispering to each other and then the keys jangle away. And I'm like, oh my God. So afterwards, get our clothes and and he looks at me and he's like, so did you want to get something to eat or? <laughs> Actually, she was kind of hungry and feeling much, much better. Not only had she had some hot rebellion and an orgasm, but she left that dang list undone. They grabbed a bite and Nana went home feeling fantastic. But then on Monday, when I go back in, the first woman whose office we'd been in it was like, hey, you were here on Saturday, right? And I was like, yeah, I was. And she was like, well, I left you a list of things. And I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't see it. Given how fantastic Nana felt through and after the experience, I asked her if she would recommend sex when you're angry in general. It's a great tension reliever. I would advise perhaps not with an ex. <laughs> it's just complicated and like muddies waters. So I wouldn't advise that. But in terms of like, attention reliever especially like women the way we carry so much stress because it's an immediate you get the rush of endorphins the serotonin it really brings your stress levels down and you can think so much more clearly afterwards (laughs) also you never know where it might lead nana's sex on a desk partner is now her husband Nana Malone now has a career that suits her far better than that PR job. She has written 99 books. If you're not sure where to start, she recommends beginning with Cheeky Royal, the first in her Winston Isles Royals series. Her stories are known for steamy sexual tension and plenty of laugh-worthy moments. Nana also runs an awesome campaign and book club. It's called Brown Nipple Challenge. It was kind of born out of my frustration um, after last summer. It was also inspired by the hashtag publishing paid me. Where uh, authors of color were getting paid significantly less than their non-melanated counterparts for first deals, for ongoing deals. That frustrated her for multiple reasons. Nana has loved books and reading for as long as she can remember. And she seldom saw herself represented in those stories. With quote unquote, not a speck of brown. This past year, she launched Brown Nipple Challenge as a book club to celebrate and bring light to lesser-known authors of color, introduce them to readers, and put money in the author's pockets. I wanted to give love to other women of color who have been doing this and have been writing romance because a lot of people want to say they want to diversify their bookshelves, but then they're like, oh, but where would I ever find women of color writing romance? So I started a book club. 
To participate as a reader and learn more about Nana's work, follow her on Instagram at Nana Malone Writer or visit her website, nanamaloneromance.net. Before I share our last story for today and a very spicy related bonus, I want to make sure you all know about Promescent. Their aloe-based lube has such a nice texture and it's good for your skin. Promescent is also known for their Climax Control Spray, which helps people with a penis last longer during penetration, whether they struggle with premature ejaculation or not. You can also check out their Women's Arousal Spray, Water-Based Lube, and more. Head to delayspray.com to start shopping and enter the code AUGUST15OFF to save 15% on your first order. Or click the link in the show notes to save automatically. So Sky Warren is the New York Times best-selling author of dangerous romance novels. She told me that for years, she hadn't realized that romance was a genre for books. I just knew about books in general, and I would go to my Barnes & Noble, and I would look through the fiction and literature section, and I would peek at the back to see if I thought it was going to end happily or not. And I didn't know there was an entire genre waiting for me. It felt like coming home. It felt like this is the place I was supposed to be. Before that, she had a history of being in very male-dominated fields. In high school, she had a black belt in martial arts. She went on to major in computer science in college, then worked as a software developer. I thought that that was fine. You know, I was okay with just being like one of the guys. But when I found romance novels and the romance community, it just felt so amazing. Just like a big virtual hug. When Skye couldn't find the books she was craving, she started writing them herself. And what didn't feel quite like a virtual hug was venturing into romance writers' conferences. Not because she doesn't love the community, as she said, she really does, but being in a crowd of people can drain someone with her personality type. I'm an introvert to an extreme level. Like my husband is the CIO of his company, so he interviews only programmers and he has this one test that he gives them. And I took it and he said, I have never seen an introvert score that is as introverted as you. And he works only with programmers. So, I mean, this is extreme. At one point, she was invited to do a signing at an erotic romance conference, which is where she had a spicy experience she was not expecting. She figured she would do the signing and sort of hang back and take things in. I was used to um, being you know, very quiet, even when I attended events and just like learning and not necessarily being outgoing. Prior to the conference, she had primarily been to software development events. She said that being in this new environment where everyone seemed really comfortable and open about their sexuality was new to her. She was in wonder and awe, she said, the whole time. She was walking around when she spotted a booth with flogging equipment for sale. One of the items had tiny typewriting keys on it. She told me she had to have it or would die, basically. And so then later that night is when they had demonstrations. They were amazing. We were watching this one and it was incredible. I'm biracial. And so again, one of my situations was like not finding myself in books. 
you know, I was just so impressed with like, wow, I'm here, but um, I didn't necessarily think, wow, it's like very predominantly white here. But then when I saw these people and they were the only people in the demonstration who were people of color and they were also Asian like me, also, I just loved their presentation. It was just amazing. And I remember I turned to my friend and I was like, oh my gosh, I was so moved. And I said, I have to write that. And she was like, oh yeah, yeah. You know, she's like going through like the names of the equipment that they use. And I'm like, no, no, not that at all. Just, just the vibe. But what if she were to participate in a demonstration? What if that was the best way to delve into that vibe? So she stunned herself by volunteering to be flogged for the first time ever in front of a small crowd of people in public. For anyone who's not familiar, flogging in the kink and BDSM world involves being consensually beaten or spanked for pleasure. And there she was, about to experience it. Yeah, I mean, I was holding onto the back of the couch and I was flogged. And I just remember having a lot of feelings and emotions and really being self-conscious about what was appearing on my face because I was in front of people who... Some people I knew and was good friends with, and some people I didn't know at all. Yeah, yeah. That brings a whole new element, like exhibitionism. Yes, yes. I know I'm not an exhibitionist exactly, because I'm like the opposite of that. I mean, a flogger in general has got like a handle and like these strips of, uh, I guess, leather. And in my case, they were maybe a centimeter wide. The thing about flogging is I was very, well, I was definitely expecting it to hurt more than it did. Because frankly, like when I get a deep tissue massage, like sometimes that hurts more. I did hear someone say that once actually, who was in the life and she said it was like getting a massage. And I was like, that doesn't seem like it could be real, but it is kind of like that. Immediately after I was more aware that everyone was looking at me. It was also less overall scary than she had been expecting. And while Skye was lucky to be around sex positive people, she said she still had to work through some shame around, what does it mean about me that I liked that, that I liked being flogged? Since then, the experience has become a positive memory, something fun that she did and that took some courage. Being flogged has also impacted her writing and given her a firsthand perspective on being spanked. As a special bonus, here is an excerpt from one of Skye's books called Survival of the Richest, performed by voiceover artist Rosa Delgado. The novel features a love triangle, and in this scene, The heroine is in an old, abandoned library that she hopes to restore to its former glory. She is with one of her love interests and some literary spanking ensues. I'm sorry. I say on a moan, but that's a lie. The same way he lies to me. I'm not sorry he hurt for me. It feels like the only compensation in this whole confusing situation that his cock throbs and aches and wants the way my body does. You will be, he says, his voice low and hard-edged. You'll be sorry when I spank your ass pink with one of these books. Then maybe you'll know better than to tease me. Surprise squeezes my lungs because I'm pretty sure he's only pretending. Or maybe he's really going to punish me. My body doesn't seem to care, because I gasp and writhe in his hold, fighting him in this maybe game we're playing. Large hands grasp my hips and flip me over like I weigh nothing. Then I'm bent over the counter where a hundred books must have been lent over the years. A thousand books. 
More? I'm defiling all of it with my breasts pressed against the dusty wood and my hands clenching in old paper. He picks something up. I feel the whoosh of air where I'm exposed. I tense, but nothing hits me. Don't worry, he says in that hard-edged voice. That means I should be very worried. I'm going to warn you before I do it. I want you good and afraid. I'm afraid, I whimper. He shows me the book he has. There are stacks of them haphazard on the counter. Books that were returned but never shelved, forever in purgatory. It could have been any one of them, but of course it's the goddess of Egypt. Stylized, Cleopatra looks back at me with her mysterious eyes and knowing smile. I'm going to paint her. I'll have to paint her in some other way than in that seductive pose they always use. Maybe she'll be bent over a table, her body shaking in almost real fear at the man behind her. Ready, honey? He asks, soft. And I know this is the time when I can speak up. Don't hit me. I don't want that. I'm not that kind of woman. But if there's anything last night showed me, it's that I don't know what kind of woman I am. Maybe none of us really do until we have two men fighting for us. Maybe there's a Cleopatra inside each of us. Ready, I whisper. The book makes a whistle sound in the air. It winds something up on my body, something that only springs loose when a flat pain echoes through me. I cry out, more from surprise than the hurt. A large paw molds itself into my ass, soothing away whatever sting was left. Another whistle. Another cry. It isn't harder than the jolt of a roller coaster bar against my stomach. It's not the pain that makes this good. It's knowing that he's doing it to me. I'm in this powerless position because of my lust, because I chose this. Because I chose him. His fingers find me again, slick and ready. It only takes the barest twist, the smallest circle around my clit before I'm coming apart, my legs shaking, every muscle clenched. Pleasure saturates my mind like the yellow-orange rays of sunlight at dawn, breaching the horizon. The book drops beside me, right in my line of sight. He wants me to see it. To imagine the imprint of my ass on the old glossy cover. A small tear behind me, but a rustle of cloth. I clench harder on the papers in my fists as if they're rope instead of pointless forms. Oh, he's probably good with rope. Yes, yes, yes. He's so good with it he doesn't need anything as primitive as fibers and knots. He has me tied down to this counter with pure force of will. Not even his own. Mine. It's my desire that keeps my breasts against the wood, that keeps my ass in the air while he strokes me with calloused hands. One day we'll have to try a bed, he says in that voice that pretends to be unaffected, as if I can't feel his cock throbbing against my thigh. Later, I manage to say in a voice just as bland, to spice things up, Learn more about Sky Warren at skywarren.com. Her latest release, Private Property, is a modern-day retelling of Jane Eyre.
Sky told me that when she first started writing, people would often ask her whether her stories were erotica or erotic romance. She doesn't care what anyone calls it, but she said her stories are always going to be very, 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 very explicit and have a happy ending. If you have an extraordinary sex or dating experience that you would like to speak with me about, drop me a note through girlboner.org. For more Girl Boner fun and to support this show and my mission, join my community at patreon.com girlboner. You can also support the show by leaving a rating and review, hitting the follow button wherever you're listening, and telling your friends about it. Thanks so much for listening, and have a beautiful Girl Boner Embracing Week.